Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from Extreme Devotion. That's a devotional book put out by the Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, this book catalogs the struggles of God's people over the past. Uh, today we visit uh, Sun Ok Lee. She's from North Korea. I never knew what these prisoners were singing until I became a Christian. Sun Ok Lee was a prisoner in North Korea from 1987 to 1992. She did not become a Christian, however, until she escaped to South Korea. When she first received Christ, she was overwhelmed by her memories of what she had seen and heard in prison. It was the simple things, like the Christians who sang as they were being put to death. At that time, she did not understand and had thought they were crazy. She was not allowed to talk, so she never had the chance to speak with a Christian. She does remember hearing the word, Amen. While I was there, I... She said, I never saw Christians deny their faith, not one. When these Christians were silent, the officers would become furious and kick them. At the time, I I could not understand why they risked their lives when they could have said, I do not believe, and just done what the officers wanted. I even saw many who sang hymns as the kicking and hitting intensified. The officers would call them crazy and take them to the electric treatment room. I, I didn't see one come out alive. It was the singing that, that stuck with her. Perhaps it was the singing of these precious saints that planted a seed in her spirit and eventually led her to Christ. 2 Corinthians 7.4 says, I am greatly encouraged. In all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. Like spies, those who are curious about Christianity zero in on believers so that they can evaluate the truth for themselves. They observe. They watch. They take mental notes. Whenever Christians go through trials, these silent observers often hope to see the believers fall so that they can assure themselves that Christians are like everybody else after all. However, when Christians smile through trouble, they are stumped. When believers clap instead of cry, they are amazed. When Christ followers sing amid sorrow, they are drawn in by what they cannot explain. If you're going through a trial right now, you have an unprecedented opportunity to witness for Christ. Pray that your joyful example will inspire others. Amen. If you'd like your own copy of this book, Extreme Devotion, uh, get in touch with the people at Voice of the Martyrs. It's thevoice at vom.org. The book is not free, but it doesn't cost a whole lot. It'll bless you too. Now we want to move over to a magazine that they put out, and this would come free to you every month if you want it. This is the November 2023 issue. I'm sorry, the October 2023 issue of Voice of the Martyrs magazine. Our story today is entitled, Forward into the Light, Forward into the Light, and takes place in another Muslim country that we cover quite often, and uh, this one is in Egypt. Uh, Having suffered deep wounds from years of beating by her Muslim husband, 
An Egyptian woman now rejoices in God's love and the cross of Christ. Now, Iman is her name. She was passionately devoted to Islam. I used to love the person of Muhammad, she said. I wished in my heart that I was living in antiquity and that maybe I would be chosen to be one of his wives. She took six pilgrimages in the early 2000s, traveling from her home in Egypt to visit Islam's most holy sites. At the mosque in Medina, the mosque of the prophet, I would never turn my back, she recalled one of one Hajj, a a religious journey to Saudi Arabia that Muslims are required to make at least once, the Hajj. As a fervent adherent of the faith, Iman went far beyond what was required by Islam. When I went to walk away, she said, I would look at the mosque in reverse and walk backward to show respect. But eventually, Iman chose to walk away from Islam. When she learned that Aisha, Muhammad's last wife, was nine years old at the time of their marriage, it shook her faith. As her own daughter approached that age, Iman was struck by the inappropriateness of Islam's founder taking a child bride. It triggered a deep desire in my heart to question his personality, his character, and to search for who he really was, she said. I could not accept that from a regular person, let alone a prophet, a teacher. It was abhorrent to me. When Iman shared her concerns with her husband, he was shocked by her skepticism and warned her against blasphemy. Still, Iman kept searching for answers, hoping to resolve the tension in her heart. Early one morning, Iman had a dream in which a woman led her to a man whose face radiated light. The shining figure was holding a book in a language she did not recognize, but she could somehow understand it. It was titled, The Names of God, and the book listed many of God's attributes. And as she looked at the words, all the names melded into just one word, or two actually, I am. Iman shared the dream with her husband, but he told her it was satanic. Then one day, Iman and her husband got a new satellite TV dish installed, and while Muslim technicians usually filter out Christian channels, this one didn't. Iman started watching Arabic Christian programs and began to get the answers she had been seeking. After getting a Bible of her own, she spent the next four years comparing Christianity with Islam. Over time, she rejected Islam and placed her faith in Christ. When Iman's husband learned of her Christian faith, he exploded in anger. He became like a beast, really, a wild beast. He used to do harm to me and beat me. And when he would get tired, he would request his parents send people to come and do me harm. Iman's husband sometimes locked her in a room for days, separating her from, from their young, crying children. And he hit her with household items, including a large video player, that he smashed on her head. The beatings, which continued for years, came close to killing her on several occasions. Iman endured the barbaric abuse, but it caused deep physical and emotional wounds. When she finally filed for a divorce, government officials initially ruled against her because she was considered an apostate for abandoning Islam. 
But the divorce was eventually approved and she got custody of their children, even though her own parents had testified against her because of her Christian faith. After the divorce, Iman began attending a Bible study where she met a man named Abbasi, who was also a Christian convert from Islam. His family had tried to kill him with a large knife used to slaughter animals. Iman and Abbasi later married and moved to a city near the Red Sea, where they began to rebuild their lives. Iman worked as a hairstylist. Abbasi ran a clothing shop. Though Iman and Abbasi had been baptized as Christians, their official identification cards still classified them as Muslims. In Egypt, Christian converts from Islam are unable to obtain new government ID cards, and so Iman, her husband, and their children were viewed with deep suspicion by some in the traditional Christian community who doubted the sincerity of their conversions. To avoid being accused of proselytizing Muslims, many traditional Christians won't allow people in their churches unless they have Christian ID card or an Orthodox cross tattoo. The tattoos are commonly seen on the hands and wrists of Coptic Christians in Egypt. Iman and Abbasi were committed to attending church even though they were harassed and sometimes physically assaulted by local Muslims and some in the traditional Christian community. I wanted my kids to live the Christian life and to grow in the church, Iman said. Even though they were in danger, I wanted them to attend every Sunday. As word spread that these, quote, Muslims who claimed to be Christians were attending church, Someone secretly recorded a video of them receiving communion and posted it online. After that, Muslims stopped coming to Iman for her hairstyling services and warned others away from her husband's clothing shop. They were forced to move their businesses repeatedly as one landlord after another revoked their leases and Abbasi's business soon failed. Police arrested Iman and Abbasi at one point after Muslims complained about their Christian conversions, and the authorities detained Abbasi for three days, even threatening to kill him. Their children also faced persecution. Nermin, their teenage daughter, was forced to wear a hijab while attending school. She and her brother were taunted, bullied, sometimes beaten at school and in their neighborhood. Iman finally removed her son from the school and sent him to a monastery for a year. But when their daughter was kidnapped, they reached their breaking point. Several Muslim students abducted Nirmin and took her to a remote area. They beat her and tried to get her to recant her Christian faith, but she refused. She said she was a Christian, Iman recalled. And then she lost consciousness, so they thought she had died. When Nirmin regained consciousness, she was alone in the desert. Fortunately, a passing tourist bus picked her up. After Nermin's abduction, Iman and Abbasi decided to leave the country. They went to the airport, trusting that the Lord would provide a way for them to leave. The Coptic Orthodox Church had provided them with a letter, stating that they had been persecuted and needed to leave Egypt for their safety, but they received no governmental help and had no travel visas. As an immigration official at the airport questioned them about why they were leaving the country, their youngest child began screaming uncontrollably. 
The child's tantrum was apparently so irritating that the official finally let them pass. That never happens, Iman said. It was a miracle. The family settled in Lebanon, where they arrived with little money and no friends or contacts. But they soon found a vibrant church that helped provide for them and connect them to the global body of Christ for additional support. Iman grew as a Christian at the new church, and she gradually forgave those who mistreated her, especially those trapped in Islam. I learned to love those Muslims who used to really insult, torture, and hurt us, she said. Iman and her family have few earthly possessions, but she remains joyful despite their difficult financial situation. We have satisfaction in Christ, she said. We are content to have nothing. Our life with Christ is so beautiful. Iman and Abbasi lead several small groups, ministering to Muslims, who she now views with compassion. It was a very hard life, very dry, like death, she said of her former Islamic beliefs. If you have everything, but you don't have the blessing of Christ, you cannot be a blessing for those in darkness. Having escaped from the darkness herself, today Iman is determined to point her Muslim neighbors toward the light of Christ. If you'd like to be put on the mailing list of Voice of the Martyrs and receive a magazine filled with stories like this every month, free, uh, just get in touch with these people at vom. Dot org, vom.org. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.